Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight and site expert Stephen Kabitza. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the final Dog Pound Daily Podcast before training <laughs> camp. Andrew, I am freaking out with excitement. Are you ready thought- for football? Are you ready for Browns football, Andrew? Oh, I'm definitely ready for Browns football. I honestly thought you were going to drop some, uh, drop a woe. I wanted to make you nervous (laughs) by saying it was going to be the final episode of the podcast. Uh, Final one with Andrew in the studio. (laughs) Andrew, just finding this news out now. What is your reaction to finding out this is your last episode on the show? (laughs) I like to open up with a little intrigue because, you know, it's been a quiet off season in the sense that we haven't had much to yell about. I know. We had that we started the podcast and we were. You know, talking about different quarterbacks and just different crazy scenarios, and it was like, you uh, you see any news? Well, we had free agency we could talk about, the draft. I mean, there were so many events that gave us enough information to, to create some good content, but now it's like, whew. I mean, thank God training camp's coming, because I don't know uh, what else we'd be talking about this week. So Probably just our recent vacations. Yes, very much so, very much so. But which you can find in the after show that doesn't exist. <laughs> you can you can write the authors, and we'll tell you all. We'll tell you about what we did. Um, but I know you th- want to share some exciting new podcast developments that people can expect to see in the future. There are now that the season's coming around, we're adding some new segments. I'm not going to give it all away now. We're going to have you. Listen along a little bit, and we'll give you some some more information as the podcast progresses. But we've definitely got some some intro music in the works. We've got different segments we want to do, um, weekly breakdowns of games, and uh, you know, make it a little uh, more organized. You can, you know, expect some similar segments, you know, for yeah, each I mean, game. It's kind of a good opportunity. Like if you don't get the chance to watch the game, or just kind of want a breakdown from two millennials yeah two guys that watch (laughs) browns games and take notes on sundays uh (laughs) that that will be able to employ some comedic humor to it uh we're your guys so that's what we're going to aim for throughout the football season i think it's just a a good opportunity to organize the show a little bit better because there is some things some takeaways each week that are going to be very consistent as the season progresses so i'm looking forward to uh to the new developments me too I mean, you know, I I promoted you to I'm assistant to <laughs> assistant the to the producer. Now. Yes, that's my official title, the Dwight Trout. But you know that, like you said, we're going to get into those here in a bit, the new segments and everything. But I think the biggest news right now, heading in the camp, Jabril Peppers is signed. All the rookies are signed, and I mean, it's a it's an exciting class, and mm-hmm. having them all signed and avoiding a holdout is is just huge because that would have been a nightmare. And that seems seems to be kind of the changing narrative because people will go, oh, it's still the Browns. But, I mean, there's nothing really to worry about right now. Yeah. Major distractions. Yeah, I mean, he's not the last rookie, which is good. I, I mean, it's not good for other teams. But, I mean, you've got guys like Corey Davis. Uh, I believe there's an, a couple top ten picks that were still unsigned. Gary and Conley, I know, is still one as well. Um, 
you would think with the the rookie pay scale now that it's very easy for these guys to get signed. But I was reading an article by Adam Schefter, and he was talking about uh, a lot of the offset language and what that truly entails. And I guess Miles Garrett signed a deal that has all of that included, where if he were to come out and say that his defensive coordinator was calling bad plays, he could theoretically lose his guaranteed money if the Browns wanted to take it away. It's stuff. It's it's a. It was a really interesting article. I suggest people take a look at it. Um, if they want to know more about the offset language and what that what goes on behind the scenes there. I have not read that article, but hearing it here on the podcast, I will have to check it out. Yeah. I it's hope kind of things you the, provide here. Hope it's not by the fake Adam Schefter or else I'd look like quite a buffoon <laughs> on here. But no, I, th- I mean, it was interesting that Miles Garrett, it, how, my first reaction was, wow, this guy must either be really confident in his personality and in his action on the field that he's going to get paid either way, you know, and I, th- I like that in a player. He's just like, I think guys like that, you know, barring injury they're you know, he's going to be a key piece for the next four years, at least he knows. Yeah. yeah. He's too and good not to be. And that's, that's part of it too, is you've got guys, even Jabril Peppers. I mean, I don't know what necessarily held up the, the negotiations, but I think some people like to get worried too much about what could happen down the road and, Versus, like, if they just put in the work now and be a sponge and do the right things on and off the field, they don't really necessarily have to worry about the, those things will come, you know. it's Unless they're truly just not a good football player, they're going to get paid or they're going to get their money. So it's, it's, it's all about you get out what you put in. So if, if Jabril Peppers is willing to put in all the work, you know, he's going to be able to see the rewards, hopefully, down the stretch. Yeah, it was just nice to get him signed. He actually signed during... Episode two of Game of Thrones, Sunday night. I, you know, avoid social media during the episodes. I go on and it was just buried in there beneath all the references. Oh, Jabril Pepper signed. I was like, ooh, bold move. He wanted to sign at a time when people would wake up and just assume he signed sometime over the weekend. Not really pushing it too close to camp. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. He signed, so. Well, it can't be much crazier than the, I mean, this is off topic, but I was leaving to go camping in southern Kentucky uh, like Friday afternoon, right when that Kyrie news broke. And then I just didn't have cell service for <laughs> like two days. So like I listened to the radio all the way down there, but I'm just, uh, just going back to it. You know, I'm, I'm happy Jabril signed. It was again, part of the, part of the news cycle that kind of got buried in my phone as well. But during game of Thrones, I don't pay attention to anything either. So I good for him. Cause Greg, Greg Williams would not have been happy if he wasn't on the field. I don't think. And Greg Williams is low key. You know, kind of a psycho person. So I feel like if he held out and showed up, it'd be like, "All right, you're playing." Well, you remember what happened when they when he had to sign, or he like forgot to sign that participation waiver or something initially. He like he got chewed out for that too. Yeah, a guy like Greg Williams. I mean, you're a rookie; you haven't earned anything. So because you, yeah, it's at the end of the day, you still yeah, like you said, you have to prove yourself still. Yep. Yep. So, but so do you think there's so there's ten? rookies how many do you think you're going to make the team we actually had a post on this go up um last week so the 10 rookies miles garrett njoku peppers you got your locks i'd say the first five picks are locks brantley howard wilson matt days who are the two zane gonzalez zane gonzalez and is the safety no who am I missing? There's one. Ogan Joby, Brantley. I'm missing literally one. Who's in the fort? 
Man, this is interesting. Howard Wilson. Got him. Well, you rattled him off so fast I couldn't keep up with you. I had the top five plus... I, is there one in between Ogunjobi and Howard Wilson? Or who was the fifth rounder? Uh, you know, if only there was a website or a search engine that we could use to find <laughs> out this information. But I think all of them okay, have a good chance. Let's start with your locks. I, I, honestly, I think all of them have a good chance to make the team. And oh, I, I, Roderick Johnson was the one you were forgetting. Oh, the offensive tackle. Yes. Um, okay, so uh, the one. You playing videos over there? You know, we'll edit, I, we'll I you know, some sites, including our own, do that, and usually my sound is off. And well, I'm I got glad you. it was that site, not some of the other ones. I know you're prone to <laughs> prone to visit certain times. So. All right, I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoops! Oh God! Oh wow! I uh, just forget to edit that out too. Be like, well, what do you mean you put you put that in the podcast? <laughs> Uh, no, um, I think 10 have a good chance to make the team. Uh, you know, I think there's a couple guys last year, a couple fringe players that, that may or may not be on the bubble. Um, I think you look at a guy like Desmond Bryant, he's got young guys pushing for his job. There's a couple wide receivers in that group that are probably not like, I, I think of a Jordan Payton or just, you know, there's a couple positions that they may have overstacked, but these young guys are really going to come in and push for early playing time. Well, that's, I think that's a good strategy, and that's what they've been. Um, that's kind of that like rebuild Moneyball style strategy where you just acquire, you know, you, you can acquire eight great receivers, not great, but like eight potentially great receivers. Serviceable. Yeah, in the sense of that if they are good and, you know, there's too much competition, you could trade them or do something. Or, and you're just always having good competition because there's Browns teams of the past where it's like, well, we have six receivers. Why would we ever look to draft another one? Like, well, you yeah. need to keep pushing, guys, in case some of them aren't good. And that's the point. I mean, training camp is where that's where Crowell made a name for himself. Exactly. I mean, even if you look at teams like the New England Patriots, like they don't even when they have depth like that, they don't trade them because it's you never know who's going to get hurt. You yeah, never you put know. them on special teams. You can put them in certain packages. Exactly. It makes a lot more sense to have depth at positions. And I think that's fairly obvious. You know, I think every team in the NFL wants depth. But, but the Browns at, haven't had it in the past. I know. That's why teams are wide receiver position, cornerback position, offensive line, defensive line. Those are huge because there's more players at those positions on the field than most others. You, you can know, carry so. like nine defensive linemen. Yeah. Because they're going to have to play special teams, kick, punt. Well, it helps too when you have, like in, in New England's case or Green Bay's case, like all, you'll really only have one quarterback. The other guy, like you're not dressed True. with three quarterbacks, you know, like the Browns tend to have to do. Every once in a while. You don't need to carry and focus on three, four quarterbacks. Well, the Browns have a lot of defensive backs right now, I realized. Like, a Mm -hmm. lot. Which, it'll be interesting to see how how the safeties safeties play out. And that's one thing I'm really interested in in, that I'm going to see in training camp is how Calvin Pryor comes out in a new change of scenery. How Jabril Peppers kind of picks up the almost the hybrid role that Greg Williams has planned for him. And kind of how the other how Joe Hayden comes back off of his injuries, too. Yeah, there's a lot of... T- I mean, you look at... You always think, oh, Joe Hayden's a lock, and then you got Jamar Taylor on the other side. But, I mean, you had him to Cordy. I mean, Bonnie Calhoun, it's oh, tough yeah. to judge anyone's year last year because the team was so bad, but he played solid. Well, it's, I remember a lot of people giving Brian Body Calhoun a lot of credit. Well, that's, and he did some good, some good things, but 
he was also play like he would make one play, but then give up like a forty yard bomb. Yeah. You know, it's but it was you <laughs> only focus on the good because there was so much bad. Exactly, and yeah, I think it's all relative to something that the Browns are going to look for, and a lot of the young players they drafted this year are those flashes. You know, can they like not every rookie is going to come out and play like Odell Beckham or just these these surefire first rounders, Zeke Elliott. You know, come out and have these all pro seasons it's really important for these rookies to at least show flashes that they have that potential or that they're, they're not, they didn't peak in their senior year of college. And that, or like, like Alabama players tend to do, you know, these, these like the linebackers, some of the defensive players, they, they get really, really good in college, but then they kind of flatline in the NFL in terms of their production. So if you can get guys that are almost about to hit their potential, and then eventually reach that, that's uh, that's the end goal, I think. I can't argue with that, and there's plenty of people. I think a lot of Alabama players. Yeah. I mean, there's Julio Jones, and there's like, obviously some standouts, but a lot of those players, like the first round, late first round guys, they just tend to not you – know, Trent Richardson's a perfect example. You know, he tore it up in college, gets to the NFL. He's almost too big. Because he was like – he had NFL linemen blocking against, like, college kids, basically. Yeah. So – I don't know. I mean, I hope like Njoku is a perfect example. I mean, the guy's twenty years old. Have you seen what he looks like, by the way? Like he's he look we he make he puts literally everyone to shame, especially us. Like at twenty, what were we doing? At whoa, age whoa, 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 whoa! What do you mean? I used to work out once a week, uh, several times, <laughs> several times a year. I used to. Sw- I think he used to swim laps in the back pool. That was yeah. I used to swim laps in my uh, nine meter pool. <laughs> Constant turns. My turnings, my kick turns are really good. It was just strictly kick turn and then do like the, you know, dolphin thing and then be like, oh. Oh, wow, Once that was like, that was like 12 meters. I'm good. But yeah, he, he probably does have a little less body fat than me and you, but I'm not going to like go, you know, measure it however one does that. It's just safe to say that he's got less body fat, but we're not we're not here to like say how much. So I I agree with that. But to your point, <laughs> yes, he, he might even grow more. Yeah, like that's awesome. That's what you. I mean, I I don't think he's compared to Gronk or anything like that. There, I've heard I've seen a lot of Travis Kelsey references, which I, at the, at this point Gronk's if you just like get his a guy, own thing because he's just like a lineman basically. Yeah, who can run. Just give like, him and Seth, De, Seth DeValve is someone or is a pairing that I'm very excited about because I'm a huge fan of the dual tight end cover, safety blanket as most people use it as. I mean, I don't know. I mean, your if your quarterback are, plays but. not that great, what's better than having you know some strong tight end, especially if your receivers aren't that good either? Yeah, I mean, you that's why Gary Barnard shined a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You put a good offensive line in front of your quarterback. You know, if you can focus on running the ball and have tight ends that can create mismatches, I mean, there's a lot of short throws that can put your tight ends in space in mismatches that you want that you want to exploit. You know, you can move the ball downfield a lot. You saw even when the Patriots had Aaron Hernandez and uh, and Rob Gronkowski, it was it, teams can't guard it. So if you've got two guys that can do that, I mean, they should they should be utilizing that as much as they can. I agree. And speaking with other pass catchers i know you would like we have a uh wanted to see who our you know potential standout player in camp is and because we are just suckers for skill positions we both picked receivers who we think will have breakout camps 
Andrew, you'd like to uh, talk about your receiver first? I think we should go with yours first because mine segues oh. into kind of the next topic. So, Oh, well, I mean, please, after you. Oh, no, I do insist. <laughs> I do insist. I could just – no, mine is Rashard Hollywood Higgins. I think last year was difficult for all those rookie receivers, even Coleman, because you get to camp and RG3's throwing passes into people's garages in Berea. <laughs> and there was never – I don't think there was – I mean, I'm not going to say the leadership was bad because I think any NFL quarterback room, you know, working with young receivers, they're, you know, they're smart, but there just comes a point where imagine how good those rookies would have been if Aaron Rodgers was their quarterback or... Yeah. And that's even being generous, even just someone mid-level. But I think Higgins, towards the end of the year, got to get a little more playing time. And once there was like just a semblance of quarterback consistency... Which there never yeah. really was, but I think It'll, he's the kind of guy. He, I think he came to the team besides Coleman with the most potential. I think you know, out of the four receivers, Coleman's the best. But you know, Jordan Payton, I don't think he's don't very. F- don't forget Kenny Britt, man. I'm talking about the four rookies yeah, from I know. 2016. It, 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 I think it's. I, I think you're right in your assessment. I think there's just a lot of. There's they've got a lot to prove this year. All of them, Ricardo Lewis, Hollywood. Yeah, they're Higgins, essentially Jordan rookies Payton. again. Yeah, I, and I think this is. They're expecting better quarterback play, better offensive line play, better defensive play, that your offense is going to naturally be better than it was last year because it's tough to get much worse. So it's going to be a real prove-it year for these guys to be to decide whether or not we're going to have to go after a receiver in the top of the draft next year. Yeah, a lot of people will say, oh, you like they played bad last year and you can't be like an apologist for it. But it's not that. It's just truly – I can't imagine – any player coming into that team as a rookie receiver and doing well because it comes like you still have to have a quarterback throw you the ball and Pryor did well but I mean he's it's not like he had a legendary season it was just great for the Browns like anytime a Browns player gets a thousand yards of anything it's like oh my god but he didn't have like 16 touchdowns or anything it was yeah I think it's just tough to judge anyone any young player from the team last year because no one was like it was like JV versus varsity every game yeah so while you may have some players that are good that might be good they're going to be good on varsity mixed with players who are also of that caliber you know when you sprinkle in a little bit of veterans that that can show you some tricks of the trade and things of that nature it definitely benefits those rookies but last year it was all rookies and it's almost like the blind yeah, learning the blind. together against playoff teams yeah so um my my standout player was a little bit he is a pass catcher but he's also a running back and that's duke johnson um i think duke johnson is going to have a crazy good season because they really don't have a slot receiver even though hollywood higgins is your standout i think duke johnson's got a chance to really explode this year in terms of catching the ball and being a threat on both the ground and through the air especially with andrew hawkins gone yes very much so they really need someone to to have those short quick bursts to to create separation on short out routes and just you can see what he does when he gets the ball in his hands even when he's running it you know i think they both average close to six yards a carry and i think any way that the browns can get this get the ball in his hands more is is better for the team no, I, I believe you said you'd like to segue. That was that was he's the leading slot receiving candidate, receiver candidate now. So like, do you think that's a testament to how good Duke Johnson might be in the slot, or how 
maybe the young receivers have not progressed as well. I think it's more uh, proof of just how good he is, and that's more of his natural position. And they drafted Days, you know, running back. So I think, you know, Crell's your feature back, and if they actually run a normal offense, he should be getting a lot of carries. I think Duke Johnson's just too explosive in the passing game to have, you know, getting 10, 12 handoffs a game. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't think it's a reflection of the receivers because I don't think they really have a. Out of the four guys they brought in, I mean, you think of Kenny Britt too. I don't think they really have a true slot guy. Yeah, that was like brought in for that purpose. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know that Days, I think, is going to get quite a bit of carries. You know, when you've got Crowell as the the workhorse, and he can he can catch the ball too. He's not necessarily as good, but he's he's got that burst that when he's got a mismatch on a linebacker, he could take advantage of it. But I think Days is going to have a little bit bigger role than some people think in terms of just keeping the other two guys fresh when they're not on the or playing offense, basically. I need to share a potentially irrational fear with you. Yes, what is that? What happens now that Isaiah Crowell is signed with Drew Rosenhaus? What if he pulls a Peyton Hillis and gets the flu week Strep two? Throat. Yeah, oh yeah, strep throat, and just like doesn't show up because he's in a contract year. That was is that uh, irrational? I think no, it's just something that we've experienced, so it's in the back of our heads. Is literally any theory or anything that could go wrong or can go wrong will go wrong. Murphy's like law. Yes, that's that's <laughs> Murphy slash Brown's law. Like that's typically what happens. So, um, I think it's not a good sign that Crowell signed with. Rosenhaus because we all saw what happened with last year Terrell Pryor over. I think Drew Rosenhaus is just strategically getting people out of Cleveland. Yeah, I I can't blame Crowell for wanting to get as much money as he can. Uh, I hope he can back it up today or this year with his play. But if they'll pay him if he does well, how much are you willing to pay him though? Are you willing to put him up there with Le'Veon Bell? No, I don't think so because Le'Veon Bell essentially plays two positions. Yeah, right, and that's that's my point. It's like. Where where is the market gonna dictate how much he gets paid? Like someone might be well. Like it, it. How do you think the NFL is valuing the running back now? Because a couple of years ago, well, they're we downgrading thought, its value because the lifespan's so short. Well, we th- we thought that true, but now you had two running backs drafted in the top ten, right? And Marshawn Lynch Leonard got to be the feature back in Oakland after being retired. Exactly, the running back position is slowly coming back now, but it's also. Like Zeke was taken number four. I mean, teams are putting a a focused effort now on finding these bell cow backs, even if it's for only six, seven years. And that's that's long for those running backs. I mean, but I think in those four years where you're getting a 13, 1400 yard rusher with 12, 14 touchdowns, I think it's worth it for these franchises to extend their window a little bit. So how how it it'll be interesting to see how NFL teams are going to value the running back going forward, because what seemed like two years ago where it was getting severely downgraded, it's almost now switching the other way. Yeah, it's going to get to a point where you're, like, classified as a certain type of back. Like, are you a pass catcher as well? Are you just strictly, like, Crowell, like, head down running? Can you do Duke Johnson playing the slot? I mean, but I don't know. You think you can peg? I, I don't think that would work, though, because you had you look at Jimmy Graham did the same thing a couple years ago, didn't he? He said he was not a tight end. He was a pass catcher. So, like, while I mean, there's a, I mean, a scale. You can say what you want. I'm talking what the front offices will say. 
Oh, I, and trust me, that's what I'm saying too. But how can you peg someone like Isaiah Crowell as a just a running back, or Duke mm-hmm. Johnson as just a pass catcher? Because that's just their play calling. Well, I I know that, but what I'm no, saying, I'm, is I'm agreeing with you. you. I'm saying it's tough to peg them because yeah, it's like you're saying that, do. but it's just because Hugh Jackson calls certain plays. It's like. Well, yeah, that, and you've got a guy like Le'Veon Bell who can do it all. So, like, are you going to shy away from guys who can do it all or not yeah. pay them because they can do it all? Like, it's it's just a weird a weird dynamic, I guess, with running backs. But, I mean, if they if he has a good year, pay the man. They've got the cap space to do it. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I think the other thing we had on our list was just talking about some of the new additions and what, what some of your to expectations the show, are. Or to the team. To the team. Let's do a little, a few about the show. Really quick, because I know, you know, sometimes, you know, people are listening and they go, I don't want to listen to this anymore. So let's share some new things we're going to be doing just during the season. Try to get, you know, shows up after each game, including the preseason. Yeah. Preseason, we might have to get it up two days after because we have bedtimes. Was it, uh, are the preseason games on like Fridays and stuff? Or well, the first one's a Thursday, then the next one's a Monday. And then they have like their final three preseason games are in like a span of 10 days. Oh. It's like a well, Monday, Friday, Thursday or something. Yeah, like I mean, that. I, I think this all kind of came relatively quickly um, in terms of thinking up these ideas, but it's also the perfect time to do it because we can t- trial out some things in the preseason and, and, it's make, our preseason too. I was that's what I was gonna say. Make our cuts and our, our <laughs> a lot of cliches and idioms <laughs> will be thrown out over the next four weeks. Exactly. Uh, Got to put your head down and record. Yeah. Put your nose. No, to but the I mean to be honest. I mean we both kind of came into this and kind of said it at the beginning. It was just we wanted to start in the off season and just kind of get the hang of it. So during the season, people can listen and know what they're gonna get. Yeah, and it wouldn't be like. Obviously, if you've been listening since the beginning, you know they've been dramatically better <laughs> ever since the like from now between now and the first episode. You know, I think it's a stark our recording difference. quality isn't. We have pop filters now. I know. Just every every week, something gets a little bit better. <laughs> we record so. in quiet rooms now, not at coffee shops like in Master and None. <laughs> no cats walking across my desk. I mean, it's 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 getting better. It's slowly getting better. But a couple of the new segments I, I, we came up with. You know, we've got. Uh, similar to what we did last week, almost like a, we each come to the table with a couple Browns trivia questions, um, or at least just one. Uh, we have, like this day in NFL or Browns history, um, just kind of giving you fun facts every time we come we come on here, just to give you something maybe you didn't already know, or just help give you, you out on a Monday morning at work. You know, yeah, when people are you asking you, that, you know, are you excited for the week? You can shake your head and say, "Please leave me alone." I have to listen, listen to, to our podcast. Pod daily podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just give you That's something what we're here that, for. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and just even week. like after games, going through the box score and picking out some stuff you may have missed because, I mean, it sounds lame, but I like to do that. Mm-hmm. It's We're, we're going to try and have them out on Mondays, right? Yes, because since the Browns play pretty much every game of theirs 1 p.m. at maybe. 1 o'clock, yeah, we can get them up by Monday. Yeah. We're, as long we're, as there's no, you know, we're not recording and someone runs in screaming profanities and we have to scrap the whole episode. Yeah, we want to try and do a weekly performance award. So based on that week's game, um, we'll have a, a just kind of who we think is the standout player from that game. And either one from both teams or, you know, if the Browns play worse enough or play bad enough, we may have to do one from the other team. But I think mine's <laughs> always going to be the quarterback, just to be <laughs> yeah. just to be warned. Um, 
No, and I can give you, I can touch on a little bit about even how the the structure of the podcast is going to shift. I think they're going to be closer to 60 minutes now um, because what we want to do is break down uh, the first game or the the prior week's game and talk about what happened and go through some of the stats, some of the... With a lot of emotion. Yes, so like kind of like that twenty-four hour rule. We're gonna do it like two hours after the game. So yeah, the we're gonna we're gonna write Dan Gilbert letters <laughs> and we're gonna send them off. <laughs> we're gonna have no one else listen. And then no, but the we're sec- pretty, we're we're not the type of we're not the Tony Rizzo's of the world. Where we're like, all right, you ready to record? Yeah, I am sick and tired. <laughs> like, whoa, man, what's wrong? We won. Yeah. Um, so we don't need we'll to give do- you know too much of a breakdown. I feel like we can keep a little surprise. All right. Just want to give a little, you know, sneak peek that it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty structured over here. No? Yeah, I think the next part of our podcast we want to talk about some of the new additions, right? And our expectations. For oh them. yeah, before camp starts, let's give those new, new faces. So the list I've got is Zeitler, Kenny or Kevin Zeitler, Kenny Britt, Jason McCourty, Calvin Pryor, J.C. Treader, Jamie Collins, and Brock. We have to be, clarify C- Collins because we're including him. Because he only played half the year here, and by the time he got here, the season was over. Yeah, new defensive coordinator. He's paid. And don't now. forget, Brock Osweiler should count in that list too. I did. I put it. He's at the end. Oh, you kind of co-producer now. I understand these things. <laughs> I'm co-producer. Brock <laughs> Osweiler's on the list. <laughs> so tell me. I know you wrote an article recently on on Kevin Zeitler. So tell me a little bit about what you expect out of him this season. I mean, it's tough with offensive linemen. I write a lot about. You know, Joe Thomas being consistent. And I mean, Zeitler to the average fan, you just kind of have to go off the way he's graded. And the value is just, I mean, I expect the left side of, well, he's on the right side, but I expect the left side to already be strong if Joel Batonio could somehow stay healthy. And I think with him and Treader, if Treader wins that starting center job, you just want, I don't know, you just want stability. You don't want images. The biggest fear for any Browns fan is last year when Cam Irving was on his back half the time. On, he was literally on skates, it looked like. It was so bad. <laughs> to be well, fair you, to him, he's not a natural center. But no, it, you, you just want, out of the offensive line, the new additions, you never want to be watching and see a guy with his hands on his hips and staring down at the quarterback, realizing that he gave up the sack. I don't want to be on Twitter looking at, like, five minutes after a, the play has happened of how X lineman got blown up, like, on a, either you, a missed you assignment. Want to, with linemen, the best thing is to never hear their names. Exactly. The best, I mean, last year there were so many times where there's just little, is it GIFs or GIF, whatever, GIFs on. What do you know, GIF? GIFs, little GIFs on Cam Irving missing a block or just a missed assignment. I understand those things happen, but. You can't, you, can't, you get someone, you can honestly get someone killed. So many times he's blocking nobody and there's three people to the right. Like, how can you guys mess that up? Like, that needs to clean up this year for them to either run the ball or keep whatever starting quarterback they decide on their feet. That's my biggest thing out of the offensive line. Is yeah, just, mine is to not hear their names. Yes, agreed. Because that means they're doing good. Agreed. We'll hear Zeitler a lot because he has that monstrosity of a contract, but if he plays up to it, then I'm perfectly okay with it. The whole line is very – I mean, they invested a lot of money in that offensive line. Good. Which That's I think you should always be the building block of any NFL team. Agreed. So moving on, J.C. Treader, another offensive lineman. Same thing. kind of injury, injury prone, I would say, in his first couple years, right? Yeah, just coming off an injury with uh, the Packers. At center, but, I mean, you, know, some, you can get. I mean, playing offensive line is inherently dangerous. Joe Thomas has had many injuries; he just plays through them. It's so it's unfair to say like, oh, you know, he's never been injured. Like he, everyone who plays football is injured at some point. Yeah, and I think it it kind of plays into what we said about 
Kevin Zeitler too. I mean, if they can just communicate and not not have any miscues, you know, I think it's just going to be a better year for the offensive line. Not to mention the fact that they have depth now. Like they have yeah, they have uh, options. God, why am I forgetting it? John Greco still behind there. Austin Ryder, Cam Irving still there. I Sean mean, Coleman, Roger Sean Johnson. Coleman. They've got they've got some pieces there that if someone goes down, similar to what Alex Mack did back in what 2014, 2015. That they was 2014 be, during their good season. They won't be hung out to dry, basically, without uh, a main piece of the offensive line. So that's a nice, a nice addition as well. They don't have to go sign people off the street. No, Alvin Bailey and whoever else. Uh, so we're going to dive into some defensive backs now. We've got Jason McCourty, who signed as a free agent back. Oof, had to be in May or had to be in June, right? I, I couldn't give you the date. Me either. I don't. I, he I don't signed. Know. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you think he can offer in terms of, you know, the I mean, it's going to it's going to sound very basic, but it's just the same thing. Like you don't. You don't want to hear you don't want to see him on tape. I mean, just getting burned. I mean, that's something we're so used to. Yeah. But is this a guy? I mean, he's 30. I believe he's 31, 32 years old. I don't think I don't think anyone's expecting him to be a pro bowler. He brings that veteran presence in the locker room, but is he in a growing year where the Browns aren't necessarily expected to make the playoffs? Is this something that may take away from playing time of a guy like a Brian Body Calhoun or a, I wouldn't necessarily say Jamar Taylor, but Howard Wilson if he if he's healthy enough to see the field this season, Derek Kindred. I mean, what there's talk of Jason McCourty playing safety. So what does that mean for Jabril Peppers? I mean, there's so Peppers many possibilities. Peppers is going to get a lot of time. I agree. I think there's a whole role carved out for him that they've got in mind, but I, I, think I don't think it's a, a bad thing. I think you need to have some experienced players out there because if it's all rookies, it's going to be like last year every year. Yep. Yep. I agree. I'm just not sure what he, I know his brother is a very good football player and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Jason's got some left in the tank for the Browns to give us an anti Dante Whitner season or anti Dwayne bow effort out of uh out of the veterans. That's unfair because I was just, <laughs> Hey, you know, it's, it's not the first time those free agent signings have happened though. And it's I, every team has those. I know. But what I'm saying is I just, I don't, I, I know I'd rather if, if there was a rookie that's outplaying him, you know, you, you shouldn't have to hang on to that guy on your roster. I mean, they could cut him in camp. I mean, that's yeah. the, I mean, that's the whole point of training camp. That's true. You bring these veteran guys in to compete. They know. I think Calvin Pryor is one of those guys that's going to get cut in training camp. It's possible they have all this young talent. I mean, it's a. I think they kind of signed with the expectation that it's everything is an open competition except like left tackle, right that's guard. Good. Do you think that's interesting for someone like a veteran or even a? I wouldn't say like Kevin Zeitler level because he's like one of the premier free agents. But if the Browns were to get a guy coming off his rookie contract that wasn't a stud, like wasn't looking for big money, but was just like a good, a decent player, you know, is that something that you would rather do? Is come to a young team looking for? a bunch of competition or go to a winner to try and, and develop yourself. To, I think to professional athletes, especially in foot, I think professional football athletes, that's worded weird NFL players. <laughs> I think they're really into the competition. So I don't think it's as much like in basketball now where it's like, I want to go to a winner. I think they just really enjoy constant competition and they don't want to coast through because you can't really coast through in football. Yeah, but I th- I don't know if I, I might have worded it weird. It's like, because you look at the Patriots. You go to the Patriots, There's 
you're going to have to work very, very hard to, to even crack a little bit of playing time unless you're a stud, you know, or, and, but you're playing for a winner and you're, you might take less money, but you're playing for a winner that is going to go to the playoffs. You're learning from hall of fame coaches and players versus a team like the Browns that you're not, you're, you're only expected to win four to five games, sometimes less that you're, you might play a lot, but you're not going to play with a very good team per se. So I wonder how that dyna- or what the, what NFL players value in terms of picking a team. Yeah. It's probably just pacing your personality too. Cause a lot of NFL players choose teams based on the coach. Yeah. More so than the organization. And if you're just not in the mood to play for Bill Belichick, and if you want to come and be like a veteran leader, like on the Browns, a lot of guys covet that. Yeah. <clears throat> and you get to That's work true. with a lot of, you get, I mean, you're getting paid millions to play football. I think it's the one sport where you're like, why did that guy go to that bad team? And say so just, you know, they like the coach. They like the organization, and it's more it's more like old fashioned of you just go to the, you go to the team not necessarily because they're going to be a winner. You just like hope you play well. And I mean, it's do you think we, par- weird because we're used to the NBA and how that is, but I don't think football is like that. And that's that was kind of what I was alluding to. Is like, do you think it's weird that like it, players almost resign to the fact, like Joe Thomas? You know, Joe Thomas could have been traded to a winner the last two or three years, like, but he doesn't want to. You know, so do you think NFL players are almost a little bit more like resigned to the fact that they know they might not win a Super Bowl versus like the Kevin Durant of the NBA that like, hey, my clock's ticking or like ring chasers, you know, like it's a really weird dynamic sometimes on how that works. Like I said, I think it's personality based, too, but football is a sport with not a lot of player movement. So maybe I mean, and you're working people don't realize you're at the facility all year round. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like any job. You get comfortable with a facility and a team and a system. I mean, the Browns, obviously, it changes every three years under Joe Thomas. Or three years. Under I him. wish it was three years. But with him. But, I mean, some guys just, you know, you set roots, and you're just like, hey, I play football in Cleveland. I like the fans. I'm, you know, I realize that winning a Super Bowl, he, he's only going to help so much. Yeah. He's not like a quarterback who's like a stud quarterback on a bad team who's like, I know if I go to this team, I'm going to be the leader like I am here. Yeah, right? Like now that you say like that, with Peyton kinda, going to the Broncos, yeah, that's uh, uh, being an offensive a, a lineman. A left tackle, they'll just load up on another guy. Yeah, the defense so will. I agree. That's I. I've never thought of it that way. That like if you're a quarterback, obviously you want to. It's easier to have that competitive drive to win a Super Bowl because you're a competitor like Tom Brady. You want to be considered the best, and the only way that that you get to be considered like that is winning Super Bowls versus. If you're an offensive line, you're a great offensive lineman. Like Joe Thomas is still going to be one of the greatest offensive linemen. He's going to be in the Hall play, of Fame, and he's never going to win a Super Bowl. You know, they're just judged differently. So maybe that's what plays into it with certain players too. So that's an interesting way to think about it. I think on that agreeable point, we can almost wrap things up because no, we're not going to yeah. have that kind of agreement <laughs> ever again. No, I don't even think it was it was agreement, but it was like I'd never seen that point of view. So like, it was enlightening. Yeah, it was. You learn it really the more was. you know. Exactly, exactly. So I think we can probably just go over the last more specifics of of what the podcast was, right? I think we talked about a couple segments and kind of what the breakdown would be with... Fun intro music? Exactly. Fun intro music, some sound effects, the first half break, (laughs) like part of the... We would do like an opening segment and then the first half... In our first half breakdown, a little halftime, no pun intended, or actually pun intended. Then a second half breakdown, um, totaling probably the first half of the show, so about a half hour. And then the second half would be looking forward to the next opponent, 
some keys to winning that game, outlook, you know, fantasy football minute two with relevant players on both sides, what our projections are, sleepers, matchups, um, things like that, you know, just to break it up and not be so monotonous when uh, talking about especially what probably will be the uh, center of attention and that that being Brown's quarterbacks. So oh, yes. looking forward looking forward to the new uh, the new layout, the, the rebranding of the Dog Pound <laughs> Daily podcast. Yeah, and this is our last show before football activities officially get underway. We're excited. I know everyone else is excited. And as always, any final thoughts, Andrew? No, we just need uh, some fan interaction now. So if it's if we got to put some I'm gonna, polls I'm going to put some uh, – have uh, Tom, co-editor, put some polls on Twitter so we can – is that, does that mean he has, to listen? he has to listen to us now? Or are you just going to tell him what polls I'm going to tell him. Oh. We're well, in a text. Come on, basis. we need all the listeners we can get. <laughs> Please listen. <laughs> no, we, we want to put some polls up for you guys to interact and even set up some sort of email mailbox where you guys can ask us questions and do even a, a, a weekly segment on that based on the game that you watched and some questions you may have about things that went on and, and give us a healthy discussion or different point, points of view on certain things as well. So do that. Email us questions. You heard it. You heard it here. Do that. Do that. That's our, <laughs> that's yeah, we'll wrap it show. up here. Yeah, we're ready for training camp. And thank you for listening. <laughs>